welcome back to In The Abyss. We're back after a week off. Um, I'm assuming everyone's missed us or missed the other three, the other two. We've had literally thousands of emails this week demanding that, that the Wolfman comes back to the podcast. So um, we, we can please the fans all around the world. Uh, the Wolfman is back, possibly for one week only, possibly for longer, who knows. Um, welcome back, Wolfman. Good evening. <laughs> and uh, welcome back, Padre and Ant. I, I'm not comfortable with having the wolf here because I'm still trying to get the hair off my uh, furniture. From my <laughs> <laughs> hey, Vig. Hey, Sorry. Usual things, get them out of the way just quickly. Um, find us on the usual socials, Instagram, at Merch in the Abyss, at Joey Tregenza, at Padre in the Abyss, although he doesn't seem to be doing a lot. Um, at Ant underscore Dan. Um, Kieran, what, what, what's yours and, and the, the grudge and oh, stuff? Yeah. Do your bit. Oh, yeah. So it's the Grudge UK, or at the Grudge UK, and then it's K. Agus Yes, Kieran's a teacher. Oh, fuck is me. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something to, I need to send to you, Kieran. I'm reading a book about metal. Okay. And there is a there is a reference to uh, the kind of uh, well a specific band that guitar teachers like. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> right. Stop. Stop there. Stop there. Stop there. Yeah, and uh, obviously check out our web store as well in theabyss.co.uk. Um, tonight, the usual stuff. What we've been listening to for the last couple of weeks, really, since we haven't been here. Um, bit of metal news and we're going to talk about 70s metal and how it kind of gets a little bit forgotten because everyone goes on up at the 80s and yeah we talk about Black Sabbath but the rest of the 70s does get forgotten about so we'll come back to that in good time. Um, so first and foremost, Wolfman, what have you been listening to this week? Well, <laughs> right, um, so yeah, uh, the new Bluetooth album, Phototroph it's called, I'm not going to pronounce that correctly. Um, also, the new Melodic list that today, that's all that's just come out today, the, all the rain tracks. Uh, just before we start the podcast, just started listening to Cave as well, so that's really cool. And also some Cory Wong, which is fun, so it's not, not, not metal at all. What was that last one? Uh, Cory Wong, he's a funk guitar player. <laughs> okay. it's, uh, it's a power station, it's called. Okay. Weed rolls by. I had a quick listen to the cave in one today after Ant mentioned it on Twitter earlier. It's um yeah first lesson is good. I like it. Yeah, production is like nice and big and just, just sounds really nice. Yeah, it's a nice blend between the the sort of angry stuff from back in the day to you know the sort of later more melodic stuff. I, yeah, I like. To, I'll give it more of a mm. listen later in the week while I'm sat around doing yeah. fuck all. Um, and what about you? Uh, a bit of a mishmash, really. I've been just uh, keeping it old school still. Uh, yeah, basically, Sabbath, Priest, White Snake, Van Halen, just some way swatting for this particular episode, but, you know, trying to educate myself to to that particular decade. Uh, still digging on Enforcer, because they're just fucking brilliant. Otherwise, in terms of uh, new stuff, I think, uh, yeah, I've been uh, giving the Caden album bash this week uh, this good today um the love came in and yeah i think what you guys have said that's, that's pretty big uh very cave in it's great to see them 
great heaven, you know, making music, uh, you know, following the Philosophy Yeah, of course. Yeah, so for some live shows as well this year with a bit of luck. And uh, I, I did listen to Rose Creature and Orbit Culture. Uh, certainly, certainly digging Orbit Culture a lot. I thought you might. Uh, Gajira beats Fear Factory Vibe, which is right up my alleyway. So, uh, yeah, I'll be uh, giving them um, more spins for certain. Yeah, I, I thought they might be up your street. Um, Padre, what about you? Let's, let's have it. <clears throat> uh, Lords of Thunder, uh, Vulture, uh, Enforcer, Into the Night, the album. That's pretty, you know, you know, it's good stuff. Does it remind anyone of the Darkness to some extent? He's got a bit, he's a similar voice. Enforcer? Yeah. Is it just me? I think it might be just you. I'm not saying they're, I'm not saying they're influenced by them. I'm just, it, there, there are times where it sounds a bit like um, the Darkness. Uh, Storm the Shores, White Wizards. Why um, I remember before. them. Are they still are they still going? Yeah. I remember them from a few years back. Yeah, I listened to their, their first or second album about ten years ago, which was good fun. Uh, Evil Empire by Rage. Nice. Oh, that's I haven't heard that for years. Um, Delivered to Die by Vulture. Uh, Rockers, Sound Bombing Two. That's a hip hop album. Uh, Sacrilegious Fame. Still listening to that. So if I've gone back, <laughs> I went back and listened to. Uh, their earlier albums, like Misery Unfolds, that's, that's, you know, it's all good. Um, and then, uh, so the, 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 the Vulture, uh, Vulture, the album's called The Guillotine. Uh, good song on there is Vendetta, and then there's Clashing Iron. And uh, I, I did listen to a bit of Svalbard, I'm sorry, Svalbard, Clickbait, uh, Revenge Porn, stuff like that. Um, that's going to have to grow on me, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it, yeah, it, 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 it can be a bit of a grower, I suppose, but, um, but give it time, it, it, it does the more you sort of, you, you know, you get into it. Um, and um, I also um, watched, that if, if you've got Netflix, um, there's a good uh, four-part show on there called uh, The Defiant Ones, which is about um, Dr. Dre and, uh, uh, what's his name, Jimmy Iovine? Yeah. Uh, the oh, um, uh, Interscope. That was quite um, uh, a, a good, uh, inter interesting watch. I didn't know he. I didn't know that. Really know. I've seen it before, so I kind of rewatched it with, with my wife. I didn't know he produced that many such a, an eclectic range of um, bands like uh, Jimmy Iovine. That is so. John Lennon. Uh, what's the band? The Fleetwood Mac. You uh, too, and Bono's on it all the way through, just going on about how great a direct uh, producer he is. And, uh, if Bono's there, then, uh, he's yeah, got to get a word in. Yeah, but like, it was quite interesting. I think with um, Interscope had such a big uh, influence on the '90s. Was it Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, a lot of the hip hop, um, uh, really edgy stuff well, yeah. for the '90s, anyway. Well, it's probably yeah, the likes of Nine Inch Nails. That's probably a lot edgier than most things that's around these days. So. Yeah, same as Wolfman, really. I did the new Malevolence this morning. That was good fun. Um, kind of what I expected, but but really good nonetheless. Um, the new Septic Flesh was out today as well. That's, if you like a bit of um, symphony in your death metal, that's, you know, that's definitely worth a listen. Cave in. And Tailgunner as well. I, I want to talk about Tailgunner because this, this brand new British band, they've only got like three songs up. And it's, you know, it, it's traditional new wave of British heavy metal stuff but man it's good it's really fucking good 
Have any of you three had a listen to them? I had a brief listen to it earlier. I think we... Um, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, Gavin uh, Nash, when you um, mentioned them the other day, and yeah, definitely must to watch out for, I think, just old school. Yeah, with the way with the way things are going at the moment, with what's popular, I think they they do it very well. The the choruses, again, like we've said before, don't know where they get it from. The songwriting's just just fucking unreal. But yeah, worth checking out. Anybody who doesn't doesn't know? I think they're um they they're going out on tour June and July, and there's a free show in London at the Dev as well. So you know, definitely, yeah, definitely worth checking out. No, um, nice to have something just come out of the no breath of the dying. Well, yeah, it's a great name for a band though. No. And yeah, I've had it before. I liked yeah. Tailgun. I thought it was a great song, so you know I, I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. But, um, but yeah, that's that's about that. Um, so metal news this week. Do we want to do metal news or do we want to talk about more politicians doing terrible things? Mm. What's happened now? Wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, is something um something gone on? Um, a uh, well, what is probably a high-profile Tory politician has been. Um, accused of sexual assault and rape and oh, and other such atrocities. Yeah. So, no no names yet, but you know, just just another another one to add to the long list of of Tory fuck ups, really. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty shameful. But <laughs> let's, let's just do the metal news. New Soilwork single out this week. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. Over Given Hayton or something. It's the title track from the new album. I had one listen. It's all right. It was a bit, a bit one-dimensional. Yeah. I mean, the stuff he said three years ago that was a lot more punchy, wasn't it? And, yeah. Um, it was still, you know, it's still accessible, very big that, that that way. But yeah, it's it's still, it's still a bit diminished in comparison. It's it's okay. It's 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 acceptable. But it's very very clean. It's mostly clean vocals, isn't it? It's very melodic. Yeah. I, I don't want to sound like a moan old gear, but. Um, anything that doesn't have Peter Wicks in it, and it's all work related, it really sound that great. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not not a huge fan of it. Um, um, Spinal Tap sequel. What what, what do we think? Because it's coming out in 2024, apparently for the 40th anniversary of the first film. Um, it's in conjunction with Cannes Film Festival. I'm not completely convinced this is going to go well. I've got to be honest. I'll watch it. I think we all will, but I don't think it's going to go very well, is it? No. <laughs> See how it works. It's, it's for trouble about light, lightning striking twice, isn't it? I mean, when they did the... Um, they, they, did some, they did some charity event a while back, didn't they? What was it? I think it was a Wembley Stadium. No, Freddie Mercury tribute, wasn't it? Or Live 8 or something. No, no, no it was, was Live 8. Yeah, it was Live 8. Oh. That's it, it was Live 8. Yeah. And, and that... Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't funny at all. And and D- didn't they have like fifteen bass players though? Like Metallica were involved, in, like for the um, Big Bottom Girls. Yeah, they did like, all f- of that. Fifteen but... people on stage playing bass. Okay, that was funny. Yeah, but a whole movie. I mean, it, it's got the whole team, you know, Rob Reiner and all that lot. But yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced. We'll all go and see it. Of course we will. But I, I think I'll be honest. It, it, how's it going to do? You know, in the um... In the cinema, because in 1984, with metal being, you know, much more um, relevant in terms of pop culture, uh, culturally and everything, now it's it's not. I just I, I don't know who's going to go and see it apart from metalhead. 
maybe some devout film fans. Don't be surprised if it becomes a Netflix film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, plenty of people will watch it, but yeah, you but you could you could say that they've got they've got quite a lot of material to play with, with the way modern cultures is now and way things have changed and like you say you know that kind of music isn't necessarily relevant anymore like it was in 1984 so there's there's a lot of material to play with but will it work i don't know yeah it's like anything you just need a decent script but i think part of it is you need to be doing stuff like anything for the right reasons um if 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 it's something they really want to do and they've got good some some good script work uh, available, then the luxury because I can't I can't see why else they would do it at this point because the the people involved they don't they don't need the money no they put on to better things arguably after Spinal Tap um, you know Rob Reiner's still fairly solid he doesn't make you know many movies these days but he's he's not exactly doing short with you obviously so either they're very bored or they've got a good script. I hope it gets up. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll all go and watch it and, it, and it'll probably yeah. be a massive anticlimax. But I, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, I, the one thing that sort of concerns me is well, it's not one thing. Yeah, the one thing that gives me reason to be cautious was um, the third Bill and Ted film, which yeah. was a massive disappointment. Oh, I I got about forty minutes into that, and I thought even that was an achievement. That yeah. was fucking dreadful. Yeah, it, I think. I started literally get. I think I started just getting out, by walking to go to the toilet without pausing, getting a drink, you know, from the kitchen. It just, yeah, it just, it wasn't good. No, no, it wasn't. But there you go. Behemoth have got a new single out. I'm not really a fan. It just sounds like everything else they do, but they're clearly doing something right because they're getting more and more popular all the time. Yeah. Actually, on that note, I actually have that in my notes. Um, the video for that is pretty stuck. It's really good. Is it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because I think because we're going, because, you know, we're going to, obviously going to Budstock this year. I was, because I've never really heard much of that before. But that video was really good. It was just oh, like, I... a movie in it. Like, it, was, it was quite graphic and quite disturbing without giving too much away. But it was just, yeah, it was just really good. I'll give it a go. I do struggle with them because so much of it, what they do, it all kind of sounds the same and goes at the same pace, doesn't it? It's very slow. Yeah. It's, it seems quite one-dimensional. I'm, I'm probably being narrow-minded. I, I, no, go on. I know. I, was gonna say, it, I think it's one of those things, like, you know, like back in the day when we used to go see, like Mastodon and I was always a little bit on the fence, but when, when we saw them, I, I sort of got it. Yeah. Same with, same with all those sorts of bands. I, I think... I mean, this, this, I'm looking forward to that, that spectacle of what they're actually going to do. Uh, you know, their stage show is going to be impressive regardless. But yeah, I can see what you. A lot of the songs I've heard are quite similar. Yeah, I think they've got. A, yeah, they've got a stage presence. They do quite a big sort of production, and there's loads of fire and stuff, and the, the kind of things that everybody loves these days. But um, but yeah, I I like Nergal's um, side project though. Me and that man, that I really like. Is that like country and western style? It is thing? a bit, yeah, it is a bit like like gothic country and western type thing. But that's that's yeah, I quite like that. That's pretty good. But Behemoth, I'm still trying. Uh, who have we lost now? We keep losing people. It's like it's like someone's gunning us down tonight. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be killed by conventional <laughs> weapons. You'll be fine. No. <laughs> uh, 
We've lost that now, can, Padre. Can, can, but... I actually, can I be just be, be a bit shameless and, and, and plug our, our single from, that was released last week? <laughs> yeah, of course you can. Yeah, so yeah, so we've we done a, 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 yeah, so we released Transmigration last week uh, on Friday, available on all platforms, etc. I said, I urge all listeners to, uh, have a listen to it, see what you think. Bug over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, your, your connection keeps dropping out a little bit as well. Um, apologies, listeners, because we, we are having some um, some uh, some technical issues, but I'm sure it'll iron itself out. Right, we're back. I think um, we might still be having some problems, but I think we're back. Is everybody back with me? Yeah. Yeah. Padre. What? <laughs> <laughs> are you with us? Yeah, Can yeah, you... I'm fine. Yeah. Right, we we yeah 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 I'm I'm good to go. All right, we're fine. Um, yeah, this is a this is a decent hour. Uh... Right, so we get back to where we um to where we were. Um, Behemoth, we've done that. Um, just quickly because we were talking about Sweden, it was the Swedish Grammys last night. Uh, Tribulation won. Uh, Swedish Grammy for best hard rock and metal. I, I the only reason I mention that is because look at the other nominees for a, for a proper massive award. In Sweden, and you've got at the gates Lucifer, Nightflight Orchestra, and Nestor, who are a bit of a throwback band. But I mean, who won Best Rock at the Brits this year? Does anybody actually know? I don't actually know. Probably Ed Sheeran, or Royal Blood, or something like that. Maybe um... it was Sam Fender. I've heard of him. Oh, I ain't got a clue. I've heard, yeah, I've heard the name. I haven't got. And the the, nom- the nominations were Coldplay, Glass Animals, Sam Fender, Tom Grennan, and Wolf Alice. So that that's why I bring up the Swedish Grammys. At the fucking gates were nominated for fuck's sake. Well, clearly they have taste. Well, we know they have taste, but that's that's just a sort of a mini rant. I, I had to bring that up because it just it just puts us to shame, really. But yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, the Queen's Jubilee concert. Lineup was announced. There is an alternative one knocking about on Earache Records social media platforms, which is quite funny. But shouldn't Maiden be on that? I mean, really, yeah. shouldn't they? I mean, obviously not, and they would never do it. We know that. But out of pure respect, shouldn't they be? The, the, the lineup is just—it's just so lazy and so predictable, and you know, a, a celebration of of the Queen, and, and and it's just the same old fucking turgid pop acts. I haven't seen who, who is it. I think he's Queen, pretty much. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, whatever incarnation of Queen there is now. Um, hang on, let me uh, let me pull up the lineup, and you can. Uh... I should have got like I don't know Queen, yeah. Queens of Stone Age, Paul King, <laughs> <laughs> King Crimson, Prince dead. Um... You've obviously got. Um... Fella from Eurovision last week because all of a sudden everybody likes Britain again. Um, Padre, have, you, you, you surely you've got to have a say on that. What about everyone like in the UK? All of a sudden, yeah. Um, I think well, you know, obviously the whole, you know, Boris Johnson doing his Churchillian jaunt around Europe, like he's uh, liberating Europe from the fucking Nazis, has got you know has obviously contributed it to some extent, but. I was honestly really surprised because what I thought was going to happen in the Eurovision Song Contest was that countries were maybe willing to give us maximum points, but because 
of uh, trade tariffs that they were going to be slapped on the points and we were going to be losing points because of taps. <laughs> uh, come the end of the evening, the UK would actually be on like minus 25 points and it was some form of like trade deficit. Um, I'm very surprised France gave us points because they never do. The, France, the French jury gave us points. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. I, I, there, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of people who take you know Eurovision seriously, and it's not just the UK. I would, not that I would say that the Italian entry was taking music seriously. It's the, it's the same kind of maudlin, overly sentimental pap that you just it just proliferates the music industry. Here. Of course, yeah, it was in Italy as well, wasn't it? So yeah, I mean, the, the Italian entry. Graham Norton kept going on about what are what, what did he say it was outstanding or stunning or I mean, something along what, those lines. What makes me laugh is that it was well, I think it was Mahmood was the Italian entry, basically, or that a couple of years ago Mahmood was the Italian entry, and the 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 right wing politician here, Salvini said the reason why Itali- Italy didn't win that year was because they they didn't have an Italian, an ethnic Italian, oh. representing the country. And you're just like, really? Like, <laughs> really? That's the, that's where you wanted to go with that. That Italy didn't win because the guy didn't look like an Italian. He looked Arabian. For fuck's sake. Wow. Well, yeah, well, there you go. I mean, the event as a whole, I did watch it. I watched all of it. Um, anybody who saw pictures of me on social media, <laughs> like I was, I was really enjoying it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, you do look like pain. <laughs> It's uh, it's, it's on Sarah's Facebook and uh, I think it's on Instagram as well. But yeah, it's before, um. Before we go any further, though, I just since we have the Wolfman with us, I want you to um, Wolfman. I need you to listen to this, okay? So, okay. All right. There's a phrase in Italian, and it's uh-huh. it's uh, la bocca lupo, okay? Do you know what that means? No. In the mouth of the wolf. Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> okay. And do you know how you use it? Okay. Uh, no. It means good luck. So, oh. like, you know, someone, you know, someone goes away on a holiday, or you know, to to start something new or new business venture. You say, "I love la bocca lupo." Okay. Oh, In the mouth of the wolf. So, you know, I mean, so what I want you to do hmm. is the next time you, you know, make love to your wife. As she runs her fingers through your mane. <laughs> oh, well, on my back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lois, if you're listening, sorry. Really, really sorry. <laughs> I think it's a great song title, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Get the grudge. Come on, come on. You write an album. Write a song called La Boca Lupo. Okay. And I think it's something that Keith could howl as you uh, as you waltz into the crowd throwing your guitar around. Oh Jesus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That wasn't planned. That was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a little like, Before you play the song, you can get your front man to be like, "Are you ready <laughs> to go into the mouth of the wolf?" <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> no one is. That's why it's never happened. 
Fucking hell. All right. Um, before we get on to, you know, the, going back in the day, back over the years, in about back to the 70s, um, I stumbled across something this week, which I'm sure has been around for ages, but, you know, I'm not the most open-minded. Um, and it's referred to as trap metal because Earache Records have signed a trap metal artist. I'm assuming it's Bad Lad, but it's spelt B-V-D-L-V-D, but I'm assuming it's supposed to be Bad Lad. So that got me looking into some of the others and some of the other artists. Um, Backwash, Rico Nasty. Just uh, And there's, there's a lot of weird spellings of words that shouldn't work. There's one called Horror, but the R's are replaced with nines. I, I don't know, I don't get it. Um, what I heard, I just thought was fucking dreadful, but I am narrow-minded, so I will, I will hand over the future of metal to your capable hands, one of you three, whoever wants to have their say. Oh, I'll, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's Fucking hell. We're not allowed to say what's happened with Eve, are we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for, for listeners, um, there, there's... I'm oh, careful, careful. <laughs> a screenshot, or a, or a screensaver is a bit, a Padres in the background, a Padres uh, thing, uh, of a band which has been vetoed from this podcast. <laughs> That's all. Just say it, just say it, just get over it, just say it. Dream <laughs> <beer. sighs> You know, we actually went two weeks. If we include, if we include last week with with Serena Cherry and the week before, that was two weeks we managed to go without mentioning lucky, that fucking you're band. You're lucky you didn't share her email address with me because I would have emailed her and said, "Make sure you mention." <laughs> <sighs> For fuck's sake! How many times have you said this to me? Back, back to where we were. Yeah, you, you've, you've had your moment. You've had your minute of glory. Now fuck off. <laughs> and somebody, t- somebody talked to me about trap metal. Trap metal. Um, yeah, I, I thought I'd do a bit of digging just because I was curious, really. Uh, we were a bunch of old farts. soundtrack so you know it's, a, it's it's certainly a part of our generation um and i say it evolved it it changed it became new metal it did its uh, it did its thing probably became more accessible really um and it's kind of got me other way because that's that's what trap metal is really to me it's it's just the modern version of rap metal and, and that's fine you know it's um it's it's a bit more extreme uh in what they're trying to do i think they're, they're trying to throw all sorts of things into the kitchen sink these youngsters. It's very um, it's very aggressive. It is, yeah. I mean what what was interesting is I'm, I'm I, I I I listened to a few of these artists, including I think that Rico Nasty that you mentioned. Um I, I question whether it should really be called trap metal because there was a distinct lack of riffs, lack of guitar riffs on a lot of them. But they used the same sort of aggression and sounds as best they can with the electronic instruments. Um, you know, there's one chap called Ghostman who looks like Marilyn Manson's really messed up little fucked up brother. Um, 
if anything, it strikes me less as trap metal and more industrial hip hop, with a very you know you know you know, you know very ex- extreme. I mean, you say about the names. I mean, they have this tendency to throw X's everywhere, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's there's a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's over my head. Um, and that's fine, but they're, they're trying to push their boundaries. Having said that, there was one artist that I am going to come back to called Jade the Nightmare. No idea if she's a player or not, um, but she's got an album called, I think, Psychotopia from a couple of years ago. And the album art, it's basically a, a black metal album cover put through some global hypercolour rainbow filter. Oh, it's quite cool. something. Um, but the guitar work on there, and there's a lot more guitar work than what I can think elsewhere. I'm ignoring Padre. Um, <laughs> um, there's a lot of there's a lot of familiar stuff with uh, goth riffs and, uh, and whatnot. You know, if you like pure mission, you'll you'll hear a lot of familiarity there. So I definitely want to give give her another go because you know I'm curious. Um, and was it, it Jade the Jade the Nightmare? Yeah. She has an album called yeah. She has an album called Goth Ferratu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it, it, she's, I think she's clearly sort of embraced the metal side more than others um, in terms of the sound. So fair play to her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's you know it's it's not for us. We're old hearts. Yeah. It's for the kids. Uh, there might be some some artists here and there that we like or the odd some and whatnot, but it's uh, you know it's it's. It's it's a cool thing now, and I'm sure it'll change in something else in five, ten years' time. Yeah. Uh, you know what, man? You know what, mate? That's, that's like Greg's in Twickenham. <laughs> Make me angry. Well, because Greg's in Twickenham looks totally different than Greg's in Hounslow. Well, no, it's just the format. I don't know. I've given up. I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> this whole podcast has gone to shit. It's like the lunatics have taken over the asylum. Yeah. Um, right. so, so back, yeah, back on the track. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree with as, as uh, yeah, as this. It's, it's it, we're old. We're old. It's not for us. Um, but it's you know it's if if it's if it's a gateway, you know if it's if it, if it's a way of people getting into metal. I mean, there's, a, there's always that positive side to it as well. So you know, like, pa- Padre, Padre, you're the um, you're the the sort of hip hop aficionado of this of this podcast. So, what do you think? I don't, I don't know. I I, I listen to it. I think, I, I think it's if it becomes popular, then it will be a repetition of I think of what new metal was, where it will kind of. Um, saw, saw too close to the sun. It will go high, it will blow up, but then it will cave. I don't, I don't know. I, I just when I think when 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 heavy metal bands sing about Satanism or war or like kind of themes of like death and destruction, that's it's it, there's a, there's a fantasy element to it. There's an element of escapism. Yeah. Whereas I think you know trap music, it is talking about dealing drugs. This this is my from what I've understood from reading about it that one of the one of the kind of people who were considered to be the one of the founders of trap music said it's not trap music unless there's a certain lyrical content and I, I think I think you know heavy metal doesn't really it's it's not associated with people dealing drugs people you know involved in gangs 
people involved, and I'm not saying all people in trap music are, and I just don't, I don't think how 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 either genre can sustain that, um, unless. Um, but like I said, that could be how out of touch we are. So yeah, we we probably are a little bit out of touch, but purely from a musical point of view, I I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it. It was so sort of heavily distorted and and you know loads of you know low end as you'd expect, but I don't know I I could not get my head around it. Um, going back to this Jade the Nightmare, and there's a there's 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 one or two other pop acts that do a kind of a similar thing in there, like um, Poppy is one of them, and yeah, Rena, yeah. Rena Sawayama is another one that kind of bring in elements of, of metal to pop music. But that's got yeah. that uh, that I've got a little bit more time for. I quite enjoyed what I've heard of that. Yeah, I, I listened to Poppy, and it was again, it, it was quite. I was going to say schizophrenic, but I don't know if that's appropriate these days, but. Um, <laughs> It, it it was it was disparate. One song was very all over the gap. Yeah, uh, it went from one sort of style to another and whatnot. And uh, yeah, chaotic, um, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I wonder, you know, is there? Is are we in a stage where? And it, and it maybe maybe this is a sort of natural evolution of what we were talking about the other day, with regards to elitism and cultural appropriation of uh, t-shirts and whatnot. But we actually got to a stage where young people actually really, really like the imagery that comes from metal, um, but not the music, and they try and combine it in that, from that perspective. Well, metal merchandise has been such a strong thing for so many years. It's it's almost like they're, they're getting in on the game. I mean, there's quite a few hip hop artists that use um, black metal typefaces and that with logos. Travis Scott's one of them. You know, so it's um, it's all image and no content, as Padre used to say. What you're talking about is iconography, and I think, mm. for example, have you ever, you know, you make a patch jacket and you put a cross on it. Are you religious? Are you Christian? Is that why you're putting a cross on it? Or are you doing it because um, heavy metal, to a certain extent, has appropriated Christian iconography? And is, 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 are they not just doing the same thing? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy always wore a, always wore a cross around his neck, didn't he? So yeah, yeah. And you're, like you're know, right. like that does that. I do those like kind of icons, like typefaces, fashion. Do they actually belong to us? Nah, we, we can't. We can't say to someone, you can't wear that. You're not. You know, you can't. You can't take that and, and use it in your genre of music because you're not. Know heavy metal or whatever. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, it can piss you off and it can annoy you and be like, oh, you know, I don't want to be associated with that. But at the same time, we've been doing it. But it, it probably shouldn't. The, the it probably shouldn't irritate us. It probably shouldn't irritate us at all because it really doesn't matter, does it? It's just being, you know, like you said, old farts and you know, and, and a little bit elitist as well to a certain extent. You know, it's it's, it's our music. How dare you? How dare you want to get involved in it, kind of thing? Yeah, I, I just wanted your opinions on it because I I was you know bored and and wandering around the internet and that's what I stumbled on. But if that's the future, um, going back to the past, we we've talked countless about the eighties and great album releases in the eighties, and we've waffled on about the nineties as well. And now we're going to talk about that. But the seventies is a decade that often gets a little bit forgotten. Everybody talks about Sabbath. The first six Sabbath albums, particularly the debut, but there's a lot of stuff that gets forgotten about, and 
the influence that it had on on the 80s and the fact that the likes of Judas Priest released their released Sad Wings of Destiny in 1976 and everyone just associates them with the 80s so it's a little bit of a it's a bit of a fap over what the 70s gave us um Padre over to you so about um the 1970s what what are we we looking how are we um are we are we going to go down the route of we're going to talk about where heavy metal comes from or yeah essentially i mean we we've mentioned the the sort of working class aspect of of heavy metal before isn't it it's obviously you know with with the south guys and working in factories in aston and and all that kind of thing and it had that heavy metal in the early 70s had that sort of industrial feel to it it was it was sort of it was dirty i suppose in a way and and kind of where it went from there but then the likes of kiss and acdc and and rainbow and van halen kind of cleaned it up and made it a little bit more accessible for for the masses and but obviously that then had an influence on cock rock and glam rock into the 80s and the new wave of british heavy metal and and that kind of thing is yeah, like, i think i think i think you know th- 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 those are two separate discussions because the American influence on the '70s heavy metal, like the Van the Van Halen debut album, and Kiss and things like that. That obviously that's going to give it. That's where the glitz and the glamour comes from. Yeah. Whereas and and it's like you know you I mean how you you've got two very disparate scenes because you've got for example East London, um, the the Midlands, and then you've got Van Halen coming from uh, uh, L.A. Beach, Venice Beach. And it's like how how different are those scenes? Sun, fun, beach, sea, surfing, the Vauxhall Car Factory. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's you know, and nineteen seventies Britain was a very bleak place. Yeah, it was. Um, minor strikes, power cuts, three day weeks, um, revolving door between the Conservatives and the Labour Party. Much unions, trade unions out of hand. You had stagflation. Um, the economy was on its ass, um, and Britain was basically perceived as being the sick man of Europe. So, out, and out of that, you've you've got bands like Judas Priest, Black Sabbath. You've got the new the new wave of British heavy metal towards the end of the decade. Lots of other bands, Rainbow, Budgie, those bands. ACDC basically in the seventies, ACDC had moved over to the UK because it was the epicenter of of music in Europe. So. I think that has a lot to play in it. And I think as well, the scene had the infrastructure for the bands to gain um, some kind of following. Because then we were talking about the Gothenburg scene in the, in the episode where we were talking about um, Sweden. And we were said, like, in a part of the, the, the scene itself had an infrastructure that allowed those bands to get uh, rehearsal space published, um, uh, produced and everything. Well, you know, in the 1970s, in in, band, in places like Birmingham, you had the working men's clubs, you had the social clubs where people could play live, uh, even to small audiences. But that's enough. I mean, it's like you've got to learn your craft. Yeah. And that was available to them. And they, they could tour as well. And they could make money off it, even if not even not even a lot of money, but they could make a living out of it. And um, I think that had a lot to do with it too. So, um, And also as well, when you, if you, I mean, if you grow up in that environment, you want to get out of it. I mean, I think Tony Iommi, if there are interviews where he just describes, he's from Aston, he just says, it was a shithole. He just wanted to get out. It still is a shithole. 
Yeah. And I'm a Villa fan. It's still a shithole. So, so, you know, some things never change. But, um, but you know, like I said, we always go on about Black Sabbath, but probably Deep Purple Machine Head in, in 1972 was, was probably equally as influential on virtually every band that came after them. I mean, I, I don't know. Am, am I wrong? Well, no, because I think you've got... Um, no, I don't think you're wrong. Because Deep Purple were one of the first bands to put their, their lead guitarist, like, centre stage. And yeah. you know, Richie Blackmore's a flamboyant player and he's a flamboyant character. Um, I mean, you, you also had Cream, Eric Clapton was centrepiece. Obviously, you know, Hendrix was different. Um, who other... I mean, Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin. We'll come, we'll come back to Led Zeppelin because they're a bit of a... They're sort of kind of out there on their own, but they've, they've obviously had, to inf- had their influence. Um, and what do you think? In terms of Deep Purple and yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's this question and this debate that's sort of ongoing about about a lot of these '70s bands about whether or not they were metal because we think we, we, now we know how metal has evolved over the decades and we can trace that back to Black Sabbath, the first album. You, you know, you look at certain bands like Led Deep Purple, and there's a question mark: Are they metal? Even though at the time they were loosely referred to as heavy metal because that was a bit of a sort of very loose almost derogatory term for a lot of us. Sort of I've, I've never, I've never considered Led Zeppelin to be a, a heavy metal band. But, but it's um, yeah, but, but it, it comes down in terms of influence. Headbangers of the seventies, they would have been, you know, the ones who loved Sabbath and Priest, they would have also loved Zeppelin and Purple. And ACDC, they would have loved those bands as well. So they, they're all they're all in the same sort of bracket, even if we don't think of them as metal now. But I, I think it kind of it opens up an interesting question though about the seventies. Why did it not develop as a? Why did metal not develop quicker during the seventies um, than it did at the time? Um, we when we see what happened in the eighties. And even you know the nineties. Why did this, this sort of form of music, which was very appropriate to the seventies, you know, it it suited the era perfectly, as you said, it was bleak and Britain. Why why did metal really take another ten years to explode? Where are the big record companies? Well, you you had you had the likes of Atlantic Records and that 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 snapped up bands like yeah, Zeppelin and that, but, but where where were they based? All in the states. Exactly. So in, until America takes interest in something like this and puts their money behind it and their muscle, then you're not going to get the explosion because you you can be you you could Black Sabbath could have toured all over America for years and made a living and probably made a very good living, but would they have reached the the, the heights they would? Same with Judas Priest. I mean, Judas Priest are massive in America. Yeah. At one point. Until you get that that clout behind you, I mean, America. Everyone goes on about their um, economic strength and um, cultural influence, but it's a big country. They've got a large population with disposable income who are willing to spend money on concerts and, and records and merchandise. So it's like you know, crack America. You're not just cracking album shows; you're cracking the whole thing. So you know, until 
that I think I think until America gets interested in it, you don't see the explosion. And in the eighties, it really they really did take an interest in it. Well, Zeppelin were at the forefront of that, weren't they? They were the one band that that properly broke America over all the others, aren't they? It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, like the Madison Square Garden yeah. gigs, the flying over. Yeah. The, the song remains the same. The, the Lear Jets, you yeah. know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they they did it more than anybody else. But do you think, like you were saying earlier on about the fact that in in England or in Britain it was it was, you know, it was a bit of a grim time in America. It wasn't, and that was why British bands struggled because there there wasn't that same aspirational feeling to British music as there was with American music. I mean, like Kiss, for instance, when Kiss came along, it was straight away. It was it was all you know. A big show. It wasn't gloomy. It wasn't miserable like British metal was in the early seventies. Is that why America struggled with it? Maybe. Because Led Zeppelin um, were pretty flamboyant. No, they were. Yeah. You know. And um, you know, Led Zeppelin have got the Led Zeppelin. You're a large tent. You know, there's 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 something for everyone with Led Zeppelin. Mm. Yeah. But I think Sabbath are a bit. They're a bit of a smaller. They're a niche. Um. But a niche in America can be enough to sustain a band. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if word gets around enough. But like you said about Led Zeppelin, they 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 covered many different bases. Which, although it pains me to say it, um, this is where prog rock comes into it a little bit. Um, Wolfman, I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? When, when we've been looking at well, looking at a ball listing two playlists of the seventies, like what what was sort of or what is classified as semi metal. There's a lot of different um as you got yeah, you got the prog, you got the blues rock like obviously obviously the heavy blues rock influence throughout the things. And then you could sort of see everything I think with the like going back to the Anthony's point about like how metal's evolved, especially with the the British bands, it's like you've got the prog influence, you've got blues based influence and you've got all these influence and they're slowly converging up towards the top of the 70s and then you've got Van Halen somewhere in that sort of like hits hits that and then it then it sort can of I, then sort can of I just ask you as, as, a, as a guitar player and a guitar teacher hmm. can you make the distinction or could you explain the distinction or maybe the progression look at okay so you've got yeah. Led Zeppelin you've got uh, Deep Purple Black Sabbath these are one guitar player bands. Yeah. Then you've got Priest, and then you've got the two guitar, what we regard as the traditional metal lineup of bass, drum, singer. Yeah. Two guitar players, two lead, one rhythm, one lead. Yeah. Can we can we draw a line there and say, look, there's those bands before, but then there's the the, t- the twin guitar attack. Yeah. Which comes after it with the mid range crunchy sound. Yeah. And then you've got like bands like Kansas to take you off. Know, they've got three guitar players. Well, the out was it the outlaws, or whatever. But yeah, definitely that all of those things sort of converge and like uh, evolve the music. And uh, another thing as well, actually, technology is that, that is especially the sound like this. It wasn't really in well, like not to get too geeky, but like it's, oh, God. it's loud. Like most bands had a big Marshall stack and a fuzz like and a pedal, a wah pedal, and that's all they had. When it got to Van Halen, then it all went up a gear. There's all gizmo technology. It was like a, basically a jumping technology, you know, like super, like everything was supercharged. Like a Marshall would be getting modded. Everything was getting modded. And, you know, the set, the sound and the, distort, the amount of distortion, all that kind of sonic stuff 
grew like exponentially from when that because as soon as Van Halen done it, everyone else was trying to do it, and that sort of didn't probably with the the UK bands not as much. It was a bit, a bit slower, but then that fed into the the metal and the thrash. And how it, it it's all yeah to do with technology and just it was rather a steep climb rather than a sort of you know direct sort of. It was a slow period, as as Anthony was saying. So what what you're trying to say is that Eddie yeah. Van Halen was was the visionary, and and everybody else that kind of came before that was yeah. was they, they they weren't necessarily moving. And this is why this is maybe why metal didn't grow yeah. as fast in the seventies as it should have done. That they weren't really doing anything that was completely out there. Yeah, I think it's, it it comes with evolution generally because it's like if you look at it from a guitar, like in terms of guitar players as well. Obviously, um, Padre mentioned Clapton. Then after that, the big one is Hendrix. In the guitar community, Hendrix is one of the, you know, the big one. Then it's Van Halen. There's like these like big monumental guys that make a massive change. So it's like every decade there's somebody like that. It's like Tom Morello. I mean, the most recent ones, Toast and the Basti from Animal Leaders. Yeah, yeah. It can take it in what, like, either in technology, like, especially technology-wise, it's you know, technique and everything, you know, it's just, expand, you know, it's constantly expanding. And obviously being the way things are now, technology's like a lot um, accessible to a lot more people. And it's easier to do things as well. It's like, you know, so if I was to start in the 70s, I probably would have had a tiny little Marshall band, you know, and maybe not even, maybe got put off and not actually even started. You know, it's it, it's all to do with evolution and how you know that 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 was it was a it was a it was a germination rather than a progression in that time. I, I feel. Sorry, I've ran a lot. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, we we're, we're still here. Um, <laughs> where do um where do Thin Lizzy sit in all of this? I would say there's somewhere in between. So yeah, if you so if you had like you got Led Zeppelin, they're sort of in between. Deep Purple and, and Led Zeppelin, I would say, because they, they, they're very like as they progressed as well. They actually went a bit more metal actually towards the end. Yeah. So that they because obviously they got John Sykes in later on and Gary Moore and people like that, and they and obviously that then I think with their influences in in the band that made metal. Okay, so Great band definitely yeah. influential. Um, yeah, and from the twi- like you were saying about the twin guitar point of view as well, that's yeah, it comes from Thin Lizzy, doesn't it? A uh, lot of but lot of bands have um, covered their material, um, so yeah, I mean, and 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 a, and a shame as well. Phil Liner passed away so young. Hmm. Um, probably probably had a few more good albums in them. Um, so, I mean, again, like what you said earlier about guitar players, Kieran. I mean, I know it's not technically the seventies, but. Randy Rhodes. Oh Jesus, yeah. He's sorry. He's a yeah. Obviously, he's the other one. Yeah. No, and it would have been interesting if Randy Rhodes hadn't passed away, mm. because I think. I mean, I don't have either. Have, have, have any of you seen that new documentary that's come out about Randy Rhodes? No. no. Okay. No. So Eddie Van Halen talks about Randy Rhodes, and it doesn't come across. He's quite critical of Randy Rhodes. Like, oh, I taught Randy everything kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Randy Rhodes has said that, you know, he did 
you know, in interviews, apparently, he did say, you know, I, 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 I was definitely influenced by some of the stuff Van Halen was doing. Yeah. What, what, what he's going back is that Steve Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen used to go and watch Quiet Riot play mm. because it, it's almost as if he, if he perceived Randy Rhodes to be a possible threat. Like, yeah. There's one guitar player that's going to push me. It's this guy. Yeah. And it's a shame that he passed away because, you know, sometimes that kind of conflict could have created, can create, you can push people on, you know. Yeah, it would have driven them, wouldn't it, to outdo yeah. each other. Yeah. All right, let's, let's stick with the States for the minute then um, <clears throat> and Kiss's place in all of this. And obviously Kiss were, you know, one of the biggest bands in the world in the 70s, um, certainly when Alive came out. The first proper live album, really, I suppose. Um, I know that they are out there on their own and they are a bit of a, not, not a gimmick, but, you know, it's easy to point fingers at them. In all seriousness, what, where where do they stand in this? What is their importance in terms of what came after them? I know from a from a spectacle point of view, you know, live shows and everything like that. But purely from music, are they actually that important to, yeah. to heavy metal? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, no, no, sorry. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. Let 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 Ant, let Ant go because he seems pretty adamant. It's it's. Uh... I mean, I think it's easy to, to look at Kiss as being, I suppose, the the big American glam rock band. Because when you you know you look at what they did, they they arguably were. But of course, you know, being American, they they were just much much bigger than you know than Slade or, or Wizard or any other. Um, and you know, him and Alice Cooper, uh, sorry, them and Alice Cooper were were doing their sort of stage thing, as you as you say. It's that larger-than-life attitude that maybe some, you know, Sabbath and Priest didn't quite have at that point in time. Um, but Kiss, Kiss were big uh, and out there and in your face and lively, um, confident, rash, all of those uh, sort of superlatives. You know, that stands out. You know, when you have the, the you know, music, metal that is evolving as it is, you kind of want that, um, that alongside it, and as much as we can talk about metal being outsider and you know kids, nerdy kids, sort of you know sort of almost shrinking back and just letting the music do the talking, talking. Um, the theatre is a big part of it, and um, you have to say, if without kids, would I make have done what they did? Would Motley Crue have done what they did? Um, Probably not. Goes down, goes further down to Mammoth Mountain. I would say no. I think they they were a huge part. Of, uh, of you know, yeah, um, I think in terms of sound, they they you know it was it was fantasy subject matter. It was it was quite heavy a lot of the time, and it was big and distorted. And yeah, I, I mean, I there's the debate. I would say Kiss are metal and absolutely um, need their place in their history. Um, yeah. Well, they're, they're worshipped in the states, aren't they? I mean, look at Dimebag, for instance. I mean, yeah. you know, was 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 absolutely obsessed with Kiss, and Kiss fans are generally pretty obsessive. So, yeah, and they had that that obviously that element of mystery as well, didn't they? In the seventies, no one knew who they were because they only were, they were only ever seen in public with with the face paint on. So, yeah, it was it was a brand. Twenty, thirty years later, that's Yeah. Yeah, it it's, the, it's the same. It's a bit like um, the 
seventy like the like sort of seventies and eighties guitar players would say in this like I, we I saw Ed Sullivan the Beatles oh, sorry I saw the Beatles play with Ed Sullivan and maybe won't play guitar. All the eighties metal guitar players or people like from the seventies, most of them said I saw Kiss on the TV or I heard a Kiss album and I wanted to play guitar. Obviously, like, like Steve said about the, like, especially with, you know Dimebag. But they they are very I would say they're very influential and a lot even though they're they're not as in terms of heavy sound but the riff the riffs are there yeah well some of the riffs you, you sort of listen to it you know like Cold Gin or um, you know any of the there's 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 like well there's like the the seeds of like what what it beca- what metal became is there yeah stuff like like God of Thunder was another one wasn't it there was there was quite a, you know, away from the normal kind of Kiss sound, you know. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I actually prefer Kiss in the 80s, which I know is a bit, a bit controversial, but, <laughs> but, but this, in the early 80s as well, like, does it animalise the album? They did some good stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's route one American cock rock, but there's some great songs, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Kiss will always will always be there. Um, another one that, obviously, as as metal fans, we always go on about Ronnie James Dio um, and Rainbow. You know, because oh, yeah. obviously, when when Ronnie James Dio eventually went on to join Sabbath and the Heaven and Hell album and and so on, we we all love those. But Rainbow Rising is is also held in such high regard. Where is is that as influential as as the likes of Sabbath and the likes of Deep Purple? Just a little bit it's, more under the radar. Maybe it's, it's under the radar certainly, but you know this Black, you know Blackmore wanted to play heavier stuff. That's that's why he he sort of changed his sound when um, he released in rock with that second lineup, the Deep Purple. He wanted to go in that direction. Yeah, to continue. You know, there had lineup changes and problems and whatnot, and he said, "No, nah, I'm going to start a different band and go even further." Um, you know that those those first two Rainbow albums are proper proper fantasy stuff. You know, witches and wizards. And... Yeah, but that's coming from Dio. It's not coming from Blackmore. No, but but, but it but it's still. You know, it's a collaboration, wasn't it? You know, they they. Yeah, but there's a famous anecdote. There's the famous anecdote of Blackmore sending a message to Dio through like the, either the bass player or the drummer saying, "Richie says, could you write songs with less fewer demons and wizards?" And Dio saying no, <laughs> and that basically ultimately led to Dio being fired from the band. So I don't. I think Dio was very into the the mysticism and the the kind of um, classical uh, history and Wicca, but Blackmore wasn't. And I think Blackmore. The st- I, I I would maybe argue that Blackmore was like, I've got a good singer, I've got a good frontman, let's go with it. And after two albums, it's like, okay, enough of this, like you know, wizard shit. Because look, look where they went afterwards since yeah. you've been gone. But it, but it yeah. worked. It's like, it's it's like... Work. <laughs> if you listen to something like Child of Night from it rock, you know, that that could have yeah, wasn't it? Absolutely. You can be um, heavy without wizards. You don't need wizards <laughs> to be heavy. No. <laughs> yes, you do, Mark. Yes, you do. <laughs> Sorry, heavy. I thought. Well, maybe, maybe you do need wizards to be happy. I, I don't know. It's... I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm all for wizards. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm 
I'm saying is, it's like there, 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 there is a specific, you know, brand of metal that really, you know, likes that kind of stuff. Great. Want to sing about wizards all day? If I'm on a monomath, want to do Viking shows and write songs about Lord of the Rings? Great, fantastic. I'll go and watch the show. But you know, it doesn't encompass everything that's uh, you know heavy metal. Dio, Dio, Dio loves his mysticism. You know, he's all about the prophecy and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, obviously we, Richie wasn't. I mean, we need we need to be grateful for it because yeah, I think before Rainbow, all that kind of stuff was exclusively in the hands of the prog rock bands. Mm. They were just you know wanking with all that stuff. It wasn't interesting. Uh, all right, so here, yeah, here, yeah. here's one for you. Here's one for you. You've got eight minutes left to live. Um, <laughs> you're in front of the firing squad. You've got eight minutes left to live, and you've got a choice between two songs. Is it Stairway to Heaven or is it Stargazer by Rainbow? Uh, I'd go for Stargazer. I think, I, I, I don't know, I think Stairway's got more going on in, in its eight minutes than Stargazer. You reckon? So, uh, just. Yeah, but what, you're going to listen to Stairway to Heaven before you get shot to death? You probably feel that you want something to take your mind off it. Stargazer is what you've got more chance to sort of... Yeah, yeah, and also, if I'm going to listen to a song that that's literal before I get shot <laughs> and executed, I'm going to listen to South of Heaven or Hell Awaits. Yeah. Or Highway to Hell. Yeah, or Highway to Hell or, you know, yeah. Mozart's Requiem. <laughs> the whole thing, all the way through. But that's that's where sort of Zeppelin were, wasn't it? They, they, they've done so many sort of long and overblown songs, and you know, I, I love Days to Confuse, but it is it is long, and there's some there's some crazy live versions of that that are kind of like 18, 20 minutes long. It was Achilles' Last Stand was another one which was covered yeah, when, by. When, they must well, this not be is named. the point, though, isn't it? This is the point when you've made a record company like Atlantic a butt ton of cash, like they did. And you've got a manager who was so good at like representing his band, you've then got the security to go off and write a song about Achilles last time, you know? Because it's like, no, 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 this is going to be good. Like, we're going to write this 22 minute song or whatever it is. And it's going to have like five guitar solos and it's going to have elves and panpipes. <laughs> we're going to burn a witch. It's going to be great, you know? Um, whereas when you're starting out, you can't be like, oh, you know, uh, we're gonna, we want to, we want our first single to be 18 minutes long. Everyone's gonna be like, what are you smoking? Mm. When, um, when I, you... I will say this is well, when earlier it was mentioned that like this kind of grandiosity comes from the American side. Black Sabbath recreated Stonehenge as a stage set. What's more <laughs> grandiose than that? Well, you know what? I was just about—I was just about to go back to Spinal Tap again. And when you look at some of the stuff that was in that film, was it really that ridiculous when you think about what came before? It wasn't, was it? But wasn't Stone recreation much later? Was that was that with Dio, or was that towards the the end of Ozzy's period? And also, don't think you can really say Rainbow were flying under the radar. They had like Donington for Christ's sake. Yeah, I know, but in terms of. In terms of sort of the, the commercial side of it, they weren't up there with the likes of Sabbath, Purple, Kiss, ACDC, and so on. But they they just weren't. They were the they were the connoisseurs' choice. So the connoisseurs' choice can get away with headlining a festival. All right, let's let's quickly talk about Sabbath and the first six albums. Um, I know that's Route One and that's really predictable, but that that first it's sort not, of thing. It's not, listen, it's it's not predictable. It's not predictable. No, it's not, but there's nothing but, wrong with saying. Okay. 
Oh, for God's sake, no one's going, oh, yeah, oh, oh my God, look, there he goes again. He's talking about Beethoven's first six symphonies. No, he's not. People talk about them for a fucking reason, because they're good. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I get that. You know, like, I get that. But ev- everybody will talk about the first six Black Sabbath albums. So, let, yeah, let's fuck it. Let's, let's talk about them. What For a start, which of the first six is your favourite? See, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of Sabbath in, in some ways because I wanted to really get, get a lot of it under my belt. And I I would say Paranoid, but that almost seems like a, a bit of an obvious nonsense because it's it's got all the bangers on. It was... You know, it's the one that really accelerated them into, you know, getting a, becoming what they were. Um, it's, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Is, is your favourite, favourite Iron Maiden now in some ways, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I'm going to say, if I'm not going to say Paranoid, I would probably say Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, because I think it has a really good balance between the light and the dark. I think the songwriting and the guitar work was just just evolved a bit. Um, the riffs. Yeah. I, 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 I just I've got to go. I've, I've got to go for sentimental reasons. I've got to go with the, with the debut album Black Sabbath because any album that has a song on it called The Wizard <laughs> and has the line in it Sunday morning, clouds in the sky, without warning. A wizard walks by. Genius. Absolute <laughs> genius. Okay? Like, I forget it. All the other... Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, great album. Masters of Reality, great album. Paranoid's a great album. Quality songs in it. But for me, because it, that's the album, I pulled it... I remember taking out my taking it out of my dad's LP collection, looking at it, goes, what in God's name is this? The woman on the front... You open it up, there's the cross, there's the poem, you put it on, bells, rain, chiming, boom, this sounds interesting, I've got to listen to this. And then you've got the bass solo before NIB, and you've got the really good um, guitar solo from uh, Wicked Woman, Don't Play Your Games With Me, you know. So yeah, I mean, great album. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I think for me, with the first album, um... I suppose what I what holds it back for me is, is the fact that a lot of the time it doesn't feel like a Black Sabbath album. It feels like an Earth album. Um, you know, yes, you've got you've got the title track, you've got NIB um, and the Wizard, but stuff like Wicked World and e- Evil Woman, yeah, they, they've got more in common, I think, with what where Black Sabbath came from. Um, so you know, I, I see I see that sort of first album as being yeah, it's where heavy metal first appeared, but it was paranoid. But it was the first through and through heavy metal album um, going forward. Um, yeah, I think I you're right. In terms of, in terms of sound, it was quite a step forward, wasn't it? There was quite a jump between the two albums. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, I think they were still playing. They were still trying things out on that first album. They were still, you know, that that previous identity, and it took the second album for that for that to really codify. Um, so that's that's why for me, yeah, it's a important album. It's a it's a decent album, but it's it's not quite as Black Sabbath as as the other albums. Padre looks deep in thought at this point. I'm, I'm sorry, just I, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> 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 just... How fucking dare you disagree with me? No, it's not. It's, it's not the disagreement. It's the it's the premise. It's the 
it's not a black, it's not as a Black Sabbath album as other Black Sabbath albums. It's just like I'm sorry, so I'm not buying it. I mean, like okay, if you want to say well, it, Black Sabbath, the, the Black Sabbath album is too similar to where it's come from. What the fuck do you think they were doing in Warpigs? Where's the high hat stuff coming from? It's fucking jazz. <laughs> like for fuck's sake, I mean, you can you can maintain your influences through an album. Through multiple albums, it doesn't take away from the album itself. Wolfman, throw a spanner in the works. I, I really don't want to. Throw it! Say Sabbath. Actually, no, I was getting really. Uh, actually, my, my favourite is actually back, the first one as well, actually, Black Sabbath. Because it's. Yeah, opening song Black Sabbath and The Wizards, both of those, like, they're, they're actually my favourite Sabbath songs, so. And they've just got a lot of, uh, I don't know, just, it, it, I, I, they just, I mean, like Black Sabbath is like a horror masterpiece, or like something out of horror, like you're hearing a Hammer horror movie. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, and then, yeah, they've got the Wizard, you've got Nativity in Black as well, that's a, that's a great song. But, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a close tie between that and Paranoid, to be fair, because they, you've got, uh, with those two albums combined, you've got like, some of the most iconic Songs in, sort of thing, you know. Um, sorry, sorry, Andy, you're uh, you're outdone by three to one. Oh, oh well. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, I mean, there's other, there's other like standout songs in other albums. Like Children of the Grave is a great, great yeah. song. That's probably um, that, that for me is Iommi's best riff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Into the Void's a really nice one. Mm. You know, um, Under the Wheels of Confusion is is one of my yeah. favourite. I, I really songs. like Sweet Leaf. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> song. You know. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a slight tangent here. So I uh, I I um I got a, a beard oil delivered this week called Sweetleaf by a company called None More Black who, who are making uh, making products purely for for rock and metal fans. So um, products called Sandman, Night Train, Hell's Bells, Sweetleaf. Yeah. So uh, and it it kind of does smell a little yeah, bit like weed. To be fair, we haven't mentioned ACDC. No, we haven't. And I, I was just about to. So where where do they stand? I mean, like you said, they were right around the other side of the world in Australia and they, they came to the UK to sort of peddle their wares. Yeah. They're, they're a rock and roll band. Mm. They're, they're, they're not metal. I know... Yeah, how, they, can you, how can you refer to Led Zeppelin as metal but not ACDC? Same could be said about Motorhead. Are you, are you yeah. defining it in terms of... Are you defining it in terms of aesthetic? Or are you defining it in terms of musicality? Or are you saying it's got it's a bit of both? But this is the thing. How are we defining what constitutes a metal band, or are we just saying none of these bands were had the cognition at the time that they were metal bands? They were just bands doing their thing, yeah. and then labelled as metal. Potentially, I, I don't. Know, I mean, with, Sab with Sabbath, I mean Sabbath were conscious of the fact that they were doing something different. Um, absolutely, even, even Purple to a certain extent, where they changed lineups, wanted to sort of go in a certain direction sound wise um i mean acdc when they they were doing the thing they it, you know they were an old school rock and roll band they were, they were a bit harder and certainly faster but that that was it they they, they as far as they were concerned they were playing rock and roll um, acdc were more about drinking and fighting weren't they whereas yeah. kiss was kiss was about you know being King of the world and fucking as many women as possible, and Black Sabbath was just about well destruction, really, if if you take Ozzy into consideration. So, 
they all had their different a different yeah. angle on it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I think I, I would I would sort of compare them as well, like with Led Zeppelin and that they're that that gateway or that embryo. They're, they're that they've got the embryo embryonic sort of seed there that then influenced like a you know, sleuth about you know like tons of bands that that sort of, yeah. But they, they're what yeah they're one of those sort of on the on the fringe of of what they are. They're sort of you know. You think about what they released in the seventies, though, was you know up to Highway to Hell in seventy nine. Mm. It's almost it's almost faultless what ACDC were doing. Yeah. Whereas, could you say the same thing about Kiss and and all the others? You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I might be wrong, but um, and again, like I said earlier on, Motorhead. You know, where do they the, the influence that Motorhead have had on on heavy metal from there on in? You certainly wouldn't have Metallica without Motorhead. Yeah. Well, they they are they are metal because because they you know you consider those sort of core elements of heaviness and speed, um, you know, darkness as well. Um, they're metal. I know I know Lenny insists that you know they're a rock. And they're roll a rock and roll band. band. Yeah, yeah. But they, you know, if you consider those core core components of what what metal is generally, they're metal. Yeah. Yeah, they are. But, uh, and there, but then there was accidentally or not, maybe. But they are they are metal. It's you know they, they... who else sounded like Motorhead in the seventies? No, no one. one, absolutely no yeah. one. They they, was... they they didn't even sound like Sabbath, you know, did they? They came in, you know, mid to late way through the seventies and just and just ripped it a new arsehole, basically, didn't they? So yeah, you know, so uh, yeah, and yeah, at the end of the day, you know, Lemmy was kicked out of a band for trying to smuggle drugs into Canada, so. You know, props to him for that. All right, so let's finish it off with a couple of sweeping statements. Who was the most important band of the 70s and what was the most important release? Blank faces. Well, well ob <laughs> objectively speaking, and it goes back to what we said the other day, yeah, it's still Black Sabbath and that first album, Black Sabbath. Is anybody, is anybody going to sort of go for anything different? Because while it, start, while it started everything... Was it, you know, can we say that, like, Kiss Alive in 75 was something that, that took you down a whole new level, or whether it was it was Motorhead, or whether it was Van Halen, they've all got their own their own stance. Which was the most important? I would say Van Halen one's important for the 80s, the, how, how, it, how it moved on to the 80s. Uh, and then I would say, as you said, like, Sabbath for the... Padre, you're on mute. I think you've got to give serious um, consideration to Priest. The two guitar attack, the the, the presentation, um, the kind of more uh, up upbeat, less kind of bleak yeah. uh, outlook. Um, that, that's that's probably what opened the door for a lot of British bands into the into the US. I think it struck a chord more with the wider mainstream audience in the US than it did with um, uh, Black Sabbath. And also, I think you've got to consider the fact that because of Rob Halford's sexual preference, a lot of the a lot of the, the clothes that he were wearing that influenced the fashion that would then dominate the '80s in terms of the metal scene, you that that can't be overlooked because we've got to look at. I think we've got to look at the whole picture. It's not just the music. 
it's the the the, uh, the presentation, the, the fashion, the mentality, the I mean, like I mean, how many bands after Judas Priest had two guitar players, and how many had one guitar player? Yeah, it was it was, it was all it's, twin it's, guitar, wasn't it? Was it yeah, yeah. yeah Pre, so. Priest, Priest, did, I mean, was it Priest? Probably to some extent would have influenced Maiden, maybe. Yeah, hundred percent. Even yeah, though. Yeah. And even though they were kind, you know, Maiden were around in the mid seventies, but obviously, you know, no, no proper releases or anything like that. But yeah, hundred percent, Priest were an influence on Maiden. They had to be. So. And then, and then obviously, Priest are going to influence. Like, I mean, we haven't mentioned UFO. And the Scorpions. Yeah, I mean, they're they're kind of worth a mention, but in in when the levels that we're talking about here, I don't think. Obviously, UFO had their their influence on people like Lars Ulrich, but I, I don't think those bands have got the same same with the likes of Uriah Heep and things that they haven't got the same kind of clout that all these other bands carry. It's that it's just that different level commercially, isn't it? Which is why we're still talking about them now, and why a lot of them are still playing live now, all these years later. If you like, I've said this before. If you said to Ozzy Osbourne, he's still going to be performing live if he's still alive in twenty twenty three. You'd think you're more wasted than him. All right, okay, so that's what we're going with. So it's Black Sabbath and Van Halen are the uh, and Priest, sorry, are the uh, are the most important bands of the seventies. So there you go. Not exactly groundbreaking, but we've had our opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we'll leave it there. Sorry, it was a bit of a messy episode. Um, technical issues did get sorted eventually. Next week we've got something a little bit different. Um, we've got someone different joining us who's not the Wolfman. Um, but you'll have to kind of wait and see for that so um, make sure you listen next week because I think it'll be a pretty good one Um, yeah the Swedes are coming so take it easy cheers